Check, 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 check. Test, 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 test. Hello, hello. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the West Irwin Church of Christ. I'd like to invite you to please stand and let's greet one another for just a moment or two. We're so glad you're here.
Good morning. It's really good to see everybody here. We want to welcome our members that are in attendance live and those who are online and especially our visitors who are here. Um, Whenever I sit down here at the front, I always get a different perspective of the song service. It's really, you should try it sometime. It's really good. So um, I was thinking about this. Christmas is less than a week away. New Year's is less than two weeks away. And you kind of go, where in the world did 2021 go? And I read an article one time, and someone was talking about the passage of time, and they said, the first 21 years of your life seem like it just takes forever for that to go by. 21 to 30 is nine years, and that's exactly how long that feels. 30 to 40 feels like three. 40 to 50 feels like one. And now I've just given up. (laughs) 
But this is the uh, holiday season, and so many will be traveling, people traveling to visit us, people here traveling to visit family and friends, and we pray for safe journeys for all those folks. So we want to remember there's a number on our prayer list that are in the bulletin and on the app and on the uh, email list. Becky Murphy's son, Keith Howard, is in critical condition in Dallas, underwent surgery yesterday. We want to remember them. Uh, We want to be with Jeff Stiefer and his family in the passage of his sister, Kayla Busby. Uh, She was in hospice this week and passed away yesterday. Jim and Helen Boyd, um, she's been diagnosed with COVID. He thinks he has been as well, but they're both at home and resting. Uh, Aline Clark, who's been diagnosed with cancer. We want to be with, pray for Davy and Sonia Carter. Uh, Davy's had some health issues and in the loss of their grandson. Gary Broom, Perry Stroner, uh, Betty Thorne and her family, Craig and Sherry Thorne and that family, Linda Mart's aunt, and everyone else that's listed on our uh, list. So last week we had a special contribution, and if you're looking at the uh, handout that was given, it totaled just over $220,000. And this isn't the first time that's happened. It's happened before. And, um, you know, we accomplished several things. We're now debt-free, which is a good thing. We're sending $15,000 to the Churches of Christ Disaster Relief uh, Response Team to uh, help those folks that were impacted by the tornadoes that hit Kentucky and Illinois and that part of the country. Uh, Another $20,000 is going to Apologetics Press, that's Kyle Butts' group. But the bigger thing to me is this church steps up when it needs to. Um, We think about the craziness and the division that goes on outside these doors. This gives me hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this day in which we could come and worship you. We pray for the elders and the deacons and the staff and all the volunteers. And we pray that uh, you will bless the spreading of the good news in Tyler and outside of our city. We are mindful that this is a holiday season. We, we remember the significance of Christmas at the birth of its, your son. And we celebrate that and the impact that that has had on the world and humanity. And, Father, we pray for everybody that was mentioned earlier, that those that are on our uh, prayer list, uh, we pray for those that, that aren't mentioned, that aren't on the list, and we know that you know what those needs are. And we pray for the families here that have lost loved ones this past year. It's difficult to go through those first holidays without loved ones. And, Father, we pray for the elect- elected leaders of our country, both national, state, and local, We pray that they will turn to you, that they will truly want to be united and not divisive in their approach to governance. And Father, we pray for those who are traveling, that uh, they're on the road, that they will arrive safely and return home safely. And we pray especially for the tornado victims in Kentucky and Tennessee, Illinois and Arkansas, and the devastation that they've experienced there. And Father, a couple weeks ago, Donnie Carnathan preached in point he made was that we should not be afraid and that is so true we pray that we'll put our trust in you that we will not be afraid and that we will always be mindful of these three things that you always love us that you'll never forsake us and that you'll always do what's best for us in your son's name we pray amen
My brethren, this is not on the script, but I just wanted to share with you very briefly. I was baptized October 2nd, 1984, so I'm not a new Christian. During those years, I've been a member of five congregations, all good, sound congregations. Not one of those congregations, not one, sacrificially gives the way West Irwin does. God bless you for putting God first in your life. And God bless our elders for being able then to do great things with the funds that are given to further His great kingdom. Every year I'm amazed with your giving. And this year is no exception. Even though we're still in the midst of a pandemic. God bless you all. Now, for our minds for the taking of the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing all four verses of In Christ Alone. I'll start off soft, but in the middle of the third verse, where the resurrection occurs in the lyrics, I'll increase the volume. So if you'll watch for that, we'll start soft and then we'll grow louder in the third verse. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of Here in the power of Christ. 
When you read through the pages of the New Testament, one of the things that you'll notice is that the followers of Jesus, that their lives centered around a table. The life of Jesus centered around a table. We see that in the ministry of Jesus out in the world. One example of that is one of the few stories that is found in all four of our Gospels when Jesus fed the 5,000. We see the culmination of Jesus' ministry around a table when he gathered in that upper room with his disciples around a table to institute this Lord's Supper. If you skip forward to the book of Acts and look at the early church, you'll notice that their lives, too, centered around a table. In Acts chapter 2, we're told that the early church devoted their time to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, most likely fellowshipping around a table, celebrating a meal together. They devoted their time to the breaking of bread, most likely a reference to the Lord's Supper and the prayers. And the reason for this is that when followers of Jesus gather around a table as we are at this moment, it has a way of reorienting our lives. Gathering around a table with fellow Christian orients our individual lives, the way we live at work, the way we live in our families, the way we live in relationship to one another. But it also orients our lives collectively. When we gather around the table, it helps us to remember why we have come together like we have this morning. It helps to give meaning and significance to the songs that we sing, to the time when we open up the word of God, to the acts of service and the acts of giving that we participate in. And the reason for this is because when we gather around the table, we are reminded of Christ. We're reminded of Jesus' birth. Life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And in so doing, we are able to then view the rest of our lives through the lens of Jesus. And it helps us to remember in everything that we do who we are, whose we are, the price that God paid to bring us in to his family, and then correctly orients the way we are to live as his people. This meal orients all that we are as followers of Jesus. And so with that at the forefront of our mind, that lens of Christ through which we can view all other aspects of our lives, let's together take part in this table meal of the Lord's Supper. Let's pray for the bread. Lord, we come to you remembering all that you have done for us, the price, the sacrifice that you made, giving up your body on our behalf, in our place, on that cross, and we cannot thank you enough. We pray at this time that you will bless this bread that we are about to partake. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's pray for the cup. Lord, we're also reminded of 
the blood that flowed down that cross, that blood that cleanses us from sin, that blood that brings us into a lifelong relationship and journey with you. And again, we're just so thankful that you were willing to come to earth, to become a human being, to take on that flesh and blood and yet give it up on our behalf. We pray that you will bless this cup that we are about to partake. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. As we gather around the table as we just did, and we begin to view things through the lens of Jesus as we're reminded of his entire story, one of the things that that lens reminds us of is that all the things that we have are not our own, that the things that we have are blessings from God. We remember as we gather around with other people that we are not the center of the universe. And it convicts us to give back, to give back to God who has blessed us so generously, as well as to give back to help others that are less fortunate than ourselves. And so this is a time where you have the opportunity to give back. And there's a multitude of ways to do that. There's boxes out in the foyer you can give online. This is a time where we remember the blessing of everything that God has given to us, and we think about the lives of others. So let's go to God one more time in prayer. God, you've just blessed all of us so graciously. We could spend the rest of our lives thanking you and going through all the ways that you have blessed us, and we thank you for that, but our prayer is also that we won't hold on to those things too tightly, in the same way that you didn't hold on too tightly to your place in heaven, that we will give back to you what you have blessed us with, that we will give up of ourselves, of our things, to benefit other people as we see demonstrated in your Son. We pray that the funds that are given here will go to further your kingdom, will go to make a difference in the darkness of this world, and we know through your power and the power of the Spirit that they will. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, it's time for our young uh, folks to be dismissed to blast. I'd like to invite everyone to stand for the singing of our hymn before the lesson. We bow down, and young people, you are dismissed while we sing. You are Lord of creation and Lord of my life, Lord of the land and the sea. You are Lord of creation before there was time. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. We bow down and we worship you. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down. And we worship you, Lord, Lord of all, Lord, you will be. You are King of creation, King.
King of my life, King of the land and the sea. You were King of the heavens before there was time, and King of all kings you will be. We bow down and we worship you. We bow down and we worship you. We bow down and we worship you, King. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. Please be seated. It's a wonderful blessing to be with you. Joyce and I enjoyed a few days with children and grandchildren in Maryland uh, and uh, appreciate everyone's prayers and thoughts being with us while we were away. Uh, If you want to see pictures of the most adorable grandchildren God ever created, then you probably have looked at my Facebook page, and I will uh, certainly encourage that. Uh, What a great Sunday last week. What an incredible uh, contribution. I, I was talking with someone earlier, and I'm pretty sure that after today, the elders are going to tell me, Bill, from now on, whenever we have a special contribution, we want you out of the state, actually. That, would say, uh, that seems like a winning formula. So well done, Tucker. Uh, but we appreciate everyone thinking of us, and what a, what a glorious um, tribute to our great God, uh, this contribution that pays off the building renovation that we have used so much already and will use for years uh, to come to serve uh, our members and our church family and to encourage others to come to enjoy uh, this facility and get to know us and especially to become close uh, to the Lord. We have a a great, great blessing and we give all the praise and all the glory uh, to our great God. If there's one thing that uh, these last couple of years have shown us, it's that God can be trusted just as our shepherd Grant Shared. He will always love us, he will never forsake us, and he will always do what's best for us. And we see that in a great, great way as we've uh, gone through 2020 and now almost finished with 2021. It is a, it is a great, great uh, blessing. And we uh, approach these years to come with uh, great faith and trust in our great and powerful God, Uh, with a love and a desire to serve with one another, and also a great trust in uh, the Word that God has given us. I have uh, three or four of the daily Bibles still available. If you would like one of those, uh, I have them with me. You can come up to the front after our service today. I'll be glad uh, to get you one of those. Uh, You can also get that uh, through Kindle or some other online services that you can read it online. I found that to be especially helpful. If you would like one of the hard, uh, the print Bibles, I have them. Again, a few of them still for $17. And after the first of the year, starting the first Tuesday in January, January 4th, I'll be sharing uh, lessons each afternoon on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, about that week's reading. And so hopefully this will be an encouragement for all of us to do our daily Bible reading each week and to have a chance to interact a little bit about what that week's lessons are. And that'll be on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. on my Facebook page, and then it will go on uh, to our other church Facebook pages and to our online uh, website. Uh, So again, hopefully you'll be able to participate in that. 
Um, and uh, again, uh, what a great blessing. What a great blessing that that online service gives us the opportunity to have. We have so many who are still connected with us, uh, watching and worshiping with us online. We have so many that are continuing to contribute as this uh, past week's contribution shares. So many of those uh, dollars are also given online, uh, not only in our special contribution, but each week or mailed in, uh, brought by the church office. Um, We appreciate that so very much. Uh, I'm in the midst of a sermon series entitled Welcoming Christ, and today we focus on two individuals, and that is Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were real people chosen to do extraordinary things. One of the things that helps me a lot in my Bible study is to continually remind myself that the people I'm reading about were real people. They lived in a real day and time. They had real struggles and real issues, just like people do today. They dressed differently. Uh, Their activities were a little bit different, but they had all the same concerns and all the same joys and all the same burdens that we have today. And so as we look at these stories today involving Mary and Joseph, we remind ourselves that they were real people, just like we are. But they were chosen to do extraordinary things. Uh, This sermon series, Welcoming Christ, is uh, four lessons that will go through January 2nd. Earlier this month, I, I preached on Welcoming Christ's Forgiveness and shared about the response of faith. Uh, Next week, uh, we will look at welcoming Christ's presence and uh, speak about the wonderful birth narratives and all the celebration that occurred uh, when Jesus was actually born. And then finally, on January the 2nd, the first Sunday in 2022, uh, we'll speak about welcoming Christ's return, because that is where our hope is found and that wonderful resurrection and eternity in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Uh, This past Sunday, our youth minister, Tucker Sullivan, had a wonderful message. I've listened to it on the wonder and hope and joy in Jesus Christ uh, and did a a wonderful, fine job. I urge you uh, to uh, listen to that message and watch that. It's on our website. Um, And Tucker, you did a very, very fine job fine job. Great job. Today we're speaking about welcoming Christ's coming. Not here yet. Not here yet. But today we look at a couple of people who were welcoming his coming. Even though he wasn't here yet. Even though this announcement that he was going to come would give them great burden and difficulty. They embraced it. And they welcomed it. And so let's talk first about Mary, Jesus' mother on this earth. Mary, the Lord's servant and our example. She was the Lord's servant and she is our example. And so I'm going to be sharing a little bit about Mary and Elizabeth, although my wife's name is neither Mary nor Elizabeth, so there will be less confusion today (laughs) than apparently uh, that was uh, uh, quite a moment last Last Sunday, handled very well, Tucker, extremely well. Well done. Um, Mary is the Lord's servant and our 
example. And we see this great action of faith, incredible story of faith of this young woman, very likely a teenager, perhaps somewhere around uh, 16 years old. We see that in Luke chapter 1. And we begin with this surprising visit from the angel Gabriel, one of only two angels, as you know, named in Scripture. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. An incredible, incredible, surprising, shocking moment. We have some great contemporary songs that express, I think, a lot about uh, what this did with Mary, including that great song, uh, Prayer, Breath of Heaven. But as we read this narrative, we again remind ourselves this is a real young girl. Think of teenage girls that you know. Think of a 15, 16, 17-year-old girl. Imagine, imagine an angel coming to her with this message. And yet Mary embraces it. But she is unafraid to ask a question. I think the whole thing is fearful for her. But there's one thing that surpasses even her fear, and that's her confusion. (laughs) She says, look, I've taken biology, (laughs) and I know my life history. This is impossible. Impossible. I cannot have a baby. I cannot. But the angel embraces her genuine faith and her sincere confusion And continues to explain. The Holy Spirit will come on you, verse 35, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Matthew, in his account, calls on Isaiah chapter 7 and reminds us of that great passage and uses that 
word and title and name Emmanuel, God with us in a very special way for this one who would be called the Son of God. Part of the angel's message is that her relative uh, Elizabeth, an older woman, we have both ends of the spectrum here, is also pregnant, even though she had never been pregnant in her entire life. Now she is, six months long, in fact. And so that leads us to the second part. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39, we read about Mary and Elizabeth, but not just Mary and Elizabeth. We read about the babies that are in their wombs. Luke 1, beginning at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill the promises to her. Mary believed. Mary believed. She graciously accepted the Lord's call. I am the Lord's servant. And now she becomes our example of believing when there doesn't seem to be any way possible for something to happen. Yet we believe. This whole interchange between Mary and Elizabeth is just amazing. As Mary walks into the uh, room and says, greets Elizabeth, John the Baptist in utero leaps for joy. Elizabeth recognizes it. She says, this is, this is not any ordinary rumbling <laughs> that this very strong-willed child already is doing. But this is something special. And she recognizes that even within her womb, John is paying homage to the one that he would point generations of people to. How is it that the mother of my Lord would come see me? This one who has believed what the Lord has said, she is blessed. She is blessed. This whole incident is such an important story in our day and time because it recognizes the value and the sanctity of life in the womb. And we get that. And that's a very obvious lesson here to me anyway. The value of John and of Jesus before they're even born, still very much alive. But there's also value in looking at their mothers, at Mary and at Elizabeth. And as we use this story to remind each other of the concern that we should have for those children in the womb, and rightly so, let us not fail to see the importance and the significance attached to their mothers and the need that they have to incredibly shocking, 
unexpected, miraculous pregnancies. Elizabeth, in the natural way, in her old age. Some have said possibly even in her 80s. And this young virgin, Mary. And everything that she and Joseph would have ahead of them in this. And everything that Elizabeth and Zechariah have been through already and would have ahead of them raising this strong-willed child who would become a prophet like no other the world had seen. And so what happens? Mary erupts in a song of praise. We call it the Magnificat based on the first part in the Latin of this incredible song that starts out in verse 46 of Luke 1. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, just like Elizabeth had just done. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary points to the mighty one, not to herself, but to her great God. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then Luke writes in verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Why three months? Well, it doesn't say specifically, but I'm pretty sure that she stayed until that baby was born. That's what it sounds like anyway. As long as she could. And then went home. What an incredible song of praise. That wonder that Tucker spoke about last week. In this very moment, a wonderful song a praise from this young woman, <laughs> girl, in many ways, Christian servant, in every way, embracing what the Lord had said, not knowing what's ahead of her at all, I'm sure, and yet thinking of what this would impact, how this would impact the world that this would be not just her Savior, but everyone's Savior. Mary, the Lord's servant and our example. But there's another person that has a role at this moment. And we turn back to Matthew 1. Because here we find the story of Joseph, faithful to the law and good to Mary. This man impresses me so very much. Because he was a man who was faithful to the law, but he was also a man who was good to Mary. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about, Matthew describes. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And based on the rest of the Gospels, we know that Mary and Joseph had other children in the natural way. Two of those, Jesus' half-brothers, are found to have, as best we can tell, written books of our New Testament, James and Jude. But that happened later. What happened now was especially significant. Joseph, faithful to the law and good to Mary. And we see both of those things acted out before he hears a word from heaven. In the culture of the day, when you were engaged, it was as if you were already married. And yet, before they had come together, before they had had any relations, before they were married, Mary is found to be pregnant. And what's interesting to me is that Joseph doesn't get that visit from the angel yet. Obviously, Mary does. Obviously, she needs to know. (laughs) And perhaps Joseph needed to know too, but not at the beginning. And I wonder why. Mary comes to him and she says, I'm pregnant. And he says, what? And she says, I'm pregnant. But wait, there's more to the story. Here's how this happened. Here's what the angel Gabriel told me. Here's what this son is going to be and to do. It was too much for Joseph to believe. I'm sure Joseph thought to himself, right, sure. Mary, if you were going to come up with a story, you should have come up with something a little more believable or, or maybe even owned up to your immorality and indiscretion. But because Joseph was faithful to the law, He could not marry her because the law forbid it. But what the law also said is that she had the right to be killed because of her unfaithfulness. And yet Joseph was not going to go there. Had he done so, he still would have been faithful to the law. But because Joseph was a good man, good to marry, He would not ever do that, such a thing. And so he was going to divorce her quietly and let her go her way and figure out her life. But before he can do that, he is finally visited by an angel of the Lord, appearing to him in a dream and saying, Joseph, she's telling you the truth. This is from God. Don't be afraid. She will give birth to a son, 
And you will give him the name Jesus because that in their language means the Lord saves, Jehovah saves, because that's what this son will do. He will save. He will save people from their sins. Matthew adds that quote from Isaiah 7, Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph wakes up, he, being a man of faith, trusted in the Lord and did what he was commanded to do. And he took Mary home to be his wife, but they stayed separate without any relations until after the birth of Jesus. Joseph was faithful to the law and good to Mary. And see, you compare those two and you see Mary, this young woman who uh, willingly says, I'm the Lord's servant, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask. Clueless to a great degree about what that meant. <laughs> and then you have Joseph, likely an older man. He'd been around the block a few times. He knew what was about to happen. He knew. If Mary had not committed adultery, then that could only mean that Joseph and Mary had committed sexual immorality and had relations before their marriage. And he knew what people would say. And he knew there would be whispering. And he knew that he would very likely lose his standing in the community. And he still said, yes. I will do what the Lord has commanded. Well, amazingly enough, Joseph and Mary both showed great faithfulness in welcoming Christ's coming. These two individuals that the Lord specifically chose for this very purpose, to bring this son into the world and to raise him up to the time when he would be ready to strike out on his own and fulfill the mission that he came to earth to fulfill. But he had to get there. And he did that through Mary and Joseph. Joseph and Mary showed great faithfulness in welcoming Christ's coming. And a few things about that we could list a lot, but let's just talk about three things. First of all, trust. They both had to trust. And specifically, they had to trust God. This one who had given them this message, who had incredibly, shockingly, miraculously said, here's what is about to happen to you, to you. And to this son that you will have and that you will raise. And still they trusted. They were willing to trust. Secondly, their faithfulness was seen in their obedience. Both of them. Both of them said, I will do this thing. I will. I will. They were willing to be obedient to this call from God in this incredible, miraculous, extraordinary, once in all of human history setting. But there was not just trust and there was not just obedience. There 
was praise. There was praise. This incredible song that Mary sings, this incredible prophecy that she gives is a song of praise to the God who had called her and would empower her and her husband to raise this child to be everything that the angel said he would be, everything that God in heaven had called him to be and to do. Trust, obedience, praise. We're still called to do the same things today. And as we look at this year behind us in the last few years, and as we look ahead on the brink of 2022, whatever is ahead for you, the message is the same that Joseph heard, that Mary heard. The message is the same to you. Do not be afraid. He told them both that. Do not be afraid. For Mary, he said, the God that has come to you in such an incredible way, this God who told this young woman that nothing is impossible, this God who promised that his word will never fail, this God who said, you can do this, Mary, is the same God who is telling you today, Whatever is ahead for you, whatever burdens there are, whatever challenges there are, don't be afraid. My word will never fail. You can do this. You can do this. The God who told a good, faithful man, do not be afraid, Joseph. This is from me. Mary is telling you the truth. You can do this, Joseph. That is the same God who comes to you today and says the exact same things. Don't be afraid. What's ahead of you is from me. I'll be there with you through it all. You can do this. You can do this. Whatever is ahead for you, we're going to sing this song because it tells us how Joseph and Mary faced what was ahead for them. And it tells us how we face what is ahead for us. We face it with great faith and we face it with great obedience. We trust and obey. And so we praise the God who is able whose word will never fail, who will be with us through it all. If we can help you during these times ahead, come as we stand. Sing this great old hymn together. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His word, what a glory He sheds on our
you for this day and we thank you for giving us a place to come and worship you with like-minded people to be safe from um, any sort of persecution from um, not being able to to speak your word and to sing hymns to you father i thank you for mr allen to be able to bring us such a wonderful message and i pray that as we go home into our daily lives that we will put you first and to serve you in everything we do Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.